Hey, welcome back to the Today Dreamer podcast, where we look at what cultivating the practice of presence in our lives feels like, as well as explore conversational space around how we may be able to fully or more fully participate in the blossoming of the emergent world story together. So, uh, today's episode is with Brad Rushing, and it's around success. So, yeah, I got really attracted to Brad's perspective once I kind of I came across him in the YouTube sphere, and I just found myself diving into a rabbit hole of what felt like profound truth being spoken in a very unique way uh, from a very unique character. So I thought I would see if he would be willing to jump on the show for a chat, and he said yes. So tell you a little bit about Brad now. John Bradley Rushing is a cinematographer based in LA. He was born and raised in Houston, and he has shot many music videos and commercials, as well as several notable feature films, including Cook Country. He's actually won the MTV Video Music Award for Best Cinematography, which is pretty cool. So yeah, have a beautiful um, time, I guess, with this conversation. It was an interesting moment that we ended up talking and there was some interesting synchronicities at play within my own life that emerged directly after the conversation. So there are definitely some lessons in here around success, what that looks like, what that means like, what that means to you, sorry. And also, I kind of hope that you walk away from listening to this with more questions and answers. I know I certainly did and it's helped just through my own contemplative practice to think about and explore these ideas in my heart and in my mind. Anyways, here's a chat with Brad. I hope you love it. Connected state of presence with one another before we start talking. Yeah, so invite you to close your eyes, everyone listening out there and you, you too, Brad, everyone just close your eyes and let's just take a moment to just pause and there's an open invitation to take a deep inhale in see if you can do this as slow as naturally possible and whenever it is that you reach the peak pause for a moment before exhaling just as gracefully feel free to pause at the bottom and let's repeat this process two to three times. It's an open invitation just to feel into any subtle differences from a few moments ago when we began to breathe in 
this conscious way. And on your next exhale, feel free to gently open your eyes as we take off on this uh, shared experience with Brad. <laughs> yeah. So I think a nice place to begin, I'm just, yeah, this idea of success and uh, what it means to be successful, I think can sometimes lead us into a state of thinking about the future rather than being present with what's the next best thing to do or not to do. Um, and I feel like that almost hinders our path in some way. And this, and what is success even anyways, because there's this idea of like that, goalposts changing throughout our lives and you know the reality of things looking quite different to what we imagine most of the time so i guess i don't know does anything come up for you with those two kind of ponderings or wonderings well you know the my point of departure would be to um quote something a friend of mine uh, erica warnick recently said in her own uh, really terrific film courage series of interviews in the latest one she talks about how you know your goals and the things that you want are really all about how you think you're going to feel when you get them hmm. and and it's it's so true whether it's whether that applies to career goals or vacations or people you want to spend time with um it's it's uh it really is kind of, I think, the fundamental guiding principle behind why we want the things. You know, I want to be rich because of how it will make me feel, or I want, you know, to buy this particular car or this particular guitar because when I have it, all these cool things will happen and I'll be happy. And, um, you know, I've had some really great successes in my career um, on paper that um you know if you if you look at the bullet points on the cv it, it can be mighty impressive and you know when i'm talking to younger filmmakers in fact i talked to one recently who you know was kind of looking at you know oh, the, the agent and the publicist and, and 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 the mtv award and you know some of the projects i'd worked with and she says i want all of those things and I explained that having had all of those things, they they really didn't lead where I had hoped them to lead. You know, to my to my mind, those were never the objectives. They were jumping off points. They they I thought they would be a catalyst to bigger and better things. And I think that popular culture and mythology guide us to believe that 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 that's what those are is that they're gateways to shangri-la that you get an agent and they're going to grow your career and it's off to the races and as much as at this point i intellectually know 
that, that that's just really not true. I still, you know, I still hope springs eternal. I'm still, I'm still looking for that magic elixir. And I, I trip myself up from time to time and, uh, you know, because you, you, you pedal and you pedal and, and you hustle and you have your highs and you have your lows and you just think, man, you know, one of these days it's going to pay off and it's just, you know, I'm going to coast and it's going to be terrific. And, um, one of the things that I've, I've come to learn a bit late in life, I think, is that I think some of the most fulfilling parts when I reflect on what's most meaningful are not those highlights, but what happens in between those highlights. The friends that I make, the trips that I go on to shoot the movies, the uh, experiences that I have, um, and, and also the other things, you know, uh, like a couple of years ago, my buddy Sean Piccinino, who also has a, a terrific film courage series of interviews, um, and we've done a lot of films together, but he and I went on a location uh, in, in Louisiana, and we thought, well, we're going to be stuck there a long time, and, you know, let's bring our guitars, and, you know, it, it really ended up reigniting my, my passion for music, and him too, and it's, it's just amazing. It's, you know, you really focus on those goals that you set you focus on those things that you think equate success but i think equate i think success bubbles up in between the cracks where you're not looking and and i think success manifests in 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 ways that that you have not put labels on mm. Mm. that's a beautiful way of looking at things and i guess yeah, I guess just imagining reflecting back on your life when you're at your deathbed. They're the kind of moments like sharing, yeah. sharing some music with a friend, picking up a few guitars and then reigniting that passion for playing um, or for being in that space. They're the kind of things that, yeah, they're, they're a bit more, um, they seem like they're a bit more meaningful than um, what you had previously imagined. And um, yeah, it's interesting what you shared. There's a couple of points that, that come up. Um, you mentioned that there's this idea of this imagined feeling into the future of, of, you know, the reason behind what, whatever you want. Um, it, it, something came up for me. I've got a, I've got a little boy and he was watching a, a movie called the three ninjas. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. Uh, the three ninjas kick back. He watched number two before part one. And he's now got this ambition of becoming a ninja <laughs> because he thinks it's, it's really, really cool. And he's like, I kind of want to be like them. And I want to have this feeling of being cool. So it's interesting how, and what came up for me was this idea of, I don't know if cool is the right word, but everyone's got their own kind of, it seems unique um, um, experiences at, and points of view on, you know, what is cool in a way or what, what fits for them in the way that they want to be and what, and um, you know, their, what, how their identity is formed, I guess. And it seems that we kind of um, move into these kind of directions. And a lot of the time, our identity is tied up in that. Have you found that to be the case in your experience? Oh, I, I, would, I would absolutely say that that's true. And um, I, I, think, I think there's an abundance of lessons available in our life experiences if we have the humility to stand down and pay attention. And I'm going to be the first to raise my hand and say, that's a challenge for me. Uh, I don't want to, just because I declare it, I don't want people to think, oh, 
well, you got that shit figured out. It's easy for you. Well, it's definitely not. What do you, what do you mean by that, Brad? Stand down. Well, let me, let me tell you the first thing I was going to tell you first. And then, and then, and then I'll step over to that. The first thing I was going to tell you, because I think there's a lot of, we can, there's a lot of information about who we are deep in our core. If we examine some of those impulsive ambitions, like you're talking about your son wanting to be a ninja. You know, when I was a little kid, I just ate up science fiction. I loved it. And I wanted to be an astronaut. And I thought that was the greatest thing. And I had astronaut toys and a toy space helmet. And I, you know, I thought it was blasting off and going to exotic places and meeting green people with antennae. Um, I I thought that was, you know, freaking fantastic. But when I became old enough to realize that I would probably have to join the military and do grueling training and undergo, you know, extreme physical discomfort and never meet the cute green girls, I thought, well, well, maybe not. But it, it wasn't that I just chucked it off to the side of the road. You know, I thought about, well, what was it? I mean, if that's really what it is, what about what I thought it was, was calling to me. And it was, it was the imagination. It was, it was the, un, you know, this whole other world, this, you know, these completely different people who, you know, apart from Giger's alien, <laughs> you know, a lot of them are benevolent. And, you know, we have this opportunity to learn and experience other cultures. Um, you know, it was the adventure. It was the storytelling. It was the um, going into a brave new place, going into the unknown. And when I examined that aspect, I realized that I had in my life chosen a lot of those things. As, as you know, a filmmaker, you do things that so many people will say, that's a terrible idea, it's a terrible risk. And you are freelance, you don't have job security. So from week to week and month to month, what's gonna happen? And, and I realized in retrospect, that I took on so many of the things that, that, that in my imagination entailed being that fictional idea of, a, of a, a space traveler. And I go to other worlds, you know, I shoot science fiction, I shoot period pieces that take place in other countries and at other times I've traveled all over the world and experienced other cultures. So it's kind of fascinating. It, it, I think it tells you a lot about yourself and you know, maybe 20 years from now, you'll have that conversation with your son and, and, and you'll know him better as he grows into his adulthood and you'll see, oh, oh, I see, you know, I see the, the threads that go back you know, to what fascinated you about that. Yeah. And then, and then and then just to touch briefly we can we can expand on this but you were asking yep. about, about the humility thing yep it's to let go of what you think you want it's you know especially when you're as as ambitious and committed as i am because to, to achieve some of these goals really requires this tenacity and this laser focus that that sometimes it's hard to let go it's it's hard to know when to stand down and and i think that there's also for lack of a better word, a sense of humiliation that, that well, I didn't get what I want and, and I, I don't know if I ever will. So I think that, you know, that requires some effort and it requires some, uh, you know, for me, some conversations with myself and some reality checks. And, but I think there's some value 
in that. I think there's something on the other side. And part of that is those lessons it's, that I was yeah, talking to you about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the friction point for me is this sense of that um, against this idea of, um, you know, it seems like things increase in difficulty or, or, or um, turbulence when you're getting to a certain um, inflection point. And yeah. then, you know, you, you push through that and, in, and you move into that. And then it seems like, um, you know, there's another door on the other side and, and then you've kind of made it in some sense um, yeah. to some, to some new space, even if it may not be the Shangri-La you mentioned earlier, but it seems like oh. there's this, this get this kind of, okay, is it time to let this one go? Cause it's getting a bit more difficult or it doesn't feel quite right. Or is it time to kind of, is this really time to really double down? This seems like it's one way or the other, right? Well, I would say standing down isn't the same as giving up. Mm. You know, I, I, I found that there are things in life that the harder I push, the more resistance they present. Mm. And then I see other people, you know, who just, they don't, they don't push like that. They don't drive. They don't bash their head into the wall repeatedly. And then there's an ease to their success. And I can't say that I understand that, but I also can't deny it. I, I see it. Um, and, and again, to me, this is, this is a matter of humility. Am I willing to say, you know, the thing that I thought would work is not doing what I believed it would do. And, you know, let's step back, let's stand down. You know, if, if my objective is still important to me, I, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm giving up. And, mm. you know, sometimes I think you have to let go. I, I, was reflecting not too long ago about the greatest catalysts for success in my career. And so many of them, and maybe most of them, were not things that I brought into being by sheer force of will. And I find that, that when I try to apply that sheer force of will, oftentimes the resistance becomes exponential. I can't explain it. Mm -hmm. There's something to be said for ease. There's something to be said for letting go. And again, letting go doesn't mean giving up. And, you know, for a religious person, perhaps that means, you know, handing it to your higher power. I'm not religious, but that whole principle of not, you know, of, of not trying to force it by will and just surrendering to the dynamics that surround you. Maybe there's something to that. I'm, you know, I think they're definitely humble enough is. to admit. <laughs> yeah. I think there definitely is. Have you heard of yeah. uh, Wu Wei in Taoism? No, no, I haven't. It's this idea of the kind of what you were speaking to, just kind of doing things with the least amount of effort, but not no effort, just the, the least amount that you need to get the things done. So it's this sense of really finding that balance point um, in life and allowing the flow of things to, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's this this balance going on because it seems like willpower is called for in certain times. So there's this like, you know, this constant um, balance between um, allowing things to flow and, um, you know, moments where you maybe do need to step into things. But letting things go when the time is right and not forcing things definitely seems like a huge um, catalyst to success. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of, the, one of the things that, you know, that that I'm I, I'm I'm really learning is that is that whole idea of, um, you know, just just stepping back and because I think sometimes our strengths work against us. 
you know, the fact that you can be tenacious, the fact that you can be committed, you know, that can become oh, stubbornness. Sure. That, yeah. that can become stubbornness. It can become intractability. And the and opposite, opposite the, is true as well. Yeah. Where, where along the spectrum it transforms from, you know, beneficial to harmful is, is kind of unclear, especially if you have that dogged commitment to something, because, you know, there's a lot of obstacles you plow through and you just get used to plowing. And, and then, you know, one day you realize, wow, I'm, I'm in this mode that's not beneficial at the moment. Mm. I feel like I have almost the, the opposite um, um, <laughs> dynamic happening where it's a sense of um, almost this, always in that state of allowing, I guess, or not always, but a lot of the time in this more of a passive sense um, flowing with things. And I think a bit of extra willpower on my end would, would go a long way. So it's very interesting how there's like, and then like you mentioned, then there's people out there that are really, um, you know, heavy on the willpower and, and can push through things and, and have that sense of, um, I'm not sure if discipline is the right word, but maybe diligence. And then um, stepping back is, is actually what's most appropriate for them in that moment. Um, because like you said, our strengths do have the potential for working against us if we don't switch things up every now and then or play the other side a little bit. Well, I think I think with so many things, it's all about balance. Yeah. You know, like what, what you expressed. And um, I have been so kind of focused on one goal for so long that I feel I lost sight of other things, um, you know, and I'm kind of examining my life. And I feel it's, it's very peculiar because some aspects of who I am are kind of locked in my teens and 20s because I've, I've neglected that personal growth. I've you know, been driving so hard at this one goal. And, and again, it, it was with open eyes to start out. And I said, when I get to that place where I want to be, and I'll know it when I get there, then I'll bring this stuff back. I'll make time for these things. And when, you know, John Lennon famously says, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Yeah. And I think even the most successful people, it's, you know, probably doesn't happen in the way that you think it would, even if you're pleased and delighted. Um, and so there's just a lot of surprise and there's a lot of, you know, it's like, it's like you're a kid and you get a Christmas present and you think it's going to be one thing and it's another. And even if that other thing is something really great because you had your heart set on the first thing, you maybe in that moment you're crushed, but then, you come to appreciate it and, and feel like, well, that was silly. This is even better. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess it's like what you're talking to before has something to do with this idea of letting go of the first present and opening up to the next one. And that, that kind of that transition between those spaces. And, and it seems what comes to mind for me is a tree and like you going on this, this hard um, forward journey or deep down into the earth as a root. And then that root being, you know, now it's okay to build some more roots or maybe move towards the trunk and, and, and you know, and flourish in a different way. Um, but you've got this solid root now in place from that experience of what, what yeah. you have been through. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great analogy. And I would extend that analogy by saying that as that root, you don't know what's in that soil. Are there rocks? Is there um, an aquifer? Uh, is there no aquifer? How deep are you going to have to go? Mm. And I think there's comfort for all of us in having 
a familiar context to our paradigm. You know, again, if you talk about people of faith, there's a structure, there's an order, there's a purpose. Um, if you talk about people who set goals, there are milestones, there, is, there are results, there is an end payoff. And I think as humans who, who are mortal and not guaranteed moment to moment, I mean, we're, we're really untethered if we think about it in the scariest possible way, unless we are able to let that go. And I know some people can't, but you know, me being who I am and being a very kind of logical and goal-oriented person, it's it's hard. It's 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 difficult to surrender your structure, to surrender your context, to be that root going into the ground and saying, I don't know, you know, mm. show me. Mm. It's it's a, it's a completely different mode. And I feel, you know, there were there are some things that have happened in my life this year especially that have really you know unmoored some of my security and and it's put me in a, in a, this precarious place where you know i just didn't have those reliable landmarks and and so i could either panic and flounder which i think i did for a little bit but then i came to this serenity and realized that the, when I started being quiet and paying attention, there were lessons to be learned and there were evolutions to undertake. And, and I realized that I could come out the other side of this, a different and better person. And, and in some strange way, closer to the things I really want, because remember, it wasn't the astronaut that I wanted to be. It was those things about being an astronaut or that I imagined about being an astronaut. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can, I can really relate uh, with what you've just shared this. I wrote this five year, uh, it was like a five year a dream plan or something. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it was like how I envisioned all the aspects of my life in five years from now. And I revisited, that was maybe three years ago, and I revisited it recently. And it seems like everything has come true, but in a totally different way, you know, like in a way that it's not how I had pictured, but it's in, like you mentioned, in some strange way, I'm still that, I'm still that astronaut. I'm still, the reason for being that astronaut and, and the surrounding kind of feelings, a lot of them are actually have come true. So I think there's this sense, sometimes we get a bit foggy on how far we have come because we're looking at where we're going all the time and this sense of like, um, you know, how beautiful things are right now. And like, like you said, just kind of letting go of the rest for a moment, there's a real power, strength and peace that comes from that space. And I think once we, once we can do that, even if it's only for a moment, I think that fills us up to be, you know, to help, um, for me, it comes down to like being able to help others more. Yeah. And I think in that space, like what my dreams kind of um, are drawn in automatically on their own. So it's almost like you don't need to even need to worry about it in some ways. Um, it's it, like, if you can, if you can tap into that, that, that space of letting go, like you mentioned, I think there's a sense of, um, you know, the illusion of control that we have. And that seems to dissolve a bit more once we, yeah. once we can let go and, and 
um, because we're really not as in control as we think we are. Um, yeah, it's it's a, and and moments like the like the 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 ones you referenced to this year are kind of a proof of that, you know. Yeah. And like you said earlier, we could go at any moment, and so could everything around us, all the people, all the things, everything's, you know, um, everything can disappear at any moment. We just have this. It seems as humans, we have this sense of, um, it's like I, I think of it as patterning. I don't know what the right word is, but it's like. Um, we get used to sitting on a chair. So after a while, we, we don't actually feel our bum sitting on the chair. It's like this yeah. auto automation that takes place. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was thinking about when you, you were talking was, um, I remember when I was a kid and I was learning to ride a bicycle and I remember fumbling with it and how awkward and trying to balance and, and you know, not only balance, but then get some forward momentum and, you know, then my dad would come out and he'd hold the bike up and I could get on it and he would walk it. And I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. So as long as I had that, that structure of my father, both physically and emotionally supporting me, I could do it. And, and, but I knew that if he went away, I couldn't do it. Except one day he let go and I didn't know. And I was pedaling and, and, so because I still had that faith and, um, mm -hmm. and it was an interesting lesson and, and it works kind of metaphorically too, because um, my mom passed away in 2011 and my dad passed away in 2018 and I was very close to them. And, and one of the traumas I expressed to you was losing them. And I, it's such a profoundly different paradigm and it's so incredibly difficult, but I've been working on this project recently and I remember when I was very young because, because I was extremely shy. My mother said, Bradley, always ask for what you want because the worst thing that will happen is they'll tell you no. And as simple as that sounds to a lot of people, it can be very confrontational to me. And I know it's confrontational for other people too. It's not, not just me, but in my head, I'm the only one on the planet. <laughs> but anyway, um, so with this particular project I've been working with, I've been asking some incredibly unlikely people, the kind of people that if you told someone, they'd tell you how crazy it is and talk you out of it. And by and large, they're participating and they're enthusiastic and they're complimentary. And this is something that I don't have a lot of confidence in because I kind of had, this is one of the things I had left along the roadside that between the pandemic and my evolution, I've gone back and collected and, you know, I'm nurturing it again. But the you mean point, this lesson from your mother? No, the point, the point that I'm getting at. No, no, no. This project is, okay, is yep. the thing that I've, I've recollected. But the point is that even though my parents are gone, it's kind of because of her advice, it's that same thing as my dad holding the bike. You know, she's not here physically, mm -hmm. but she's that wind beneath my wings those things that she said are still guiding me as though she's right there beside me and say call that person write that person you know the the worst thing that they're going to do is tell you no and and i i hear my when i talk sometimes I, you know people will say something and i'll respond with this ridiculous witticism and i hear my dad's voice because it's his sense of humor so you know again it's 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 like what you're saying is if we try to force things if i 
you know, tried to intentionally memorialize them, I think it would be challenging and uncomfortable. I think, you know, what I'm learning is I have to understand the difference between persistence and forcing and projecting because because there's an element here in what you're talking about and in learning to ride a bike and in my mom's influence quietly as I ask these people for things and they surprise me by agreeing. And, and this is kind of the, 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 the learning space I'm in at the moment. I, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm just in input mode. I'm trying not to define it. I'm trying not to project on it. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to experience it and grow it sounds like you're in a beautiful space like and and that seems like how, how could your mother not be with you how could your father not be with you they're, they're like within you in like you like you so beautifully articulated they're with you through these different elements and it's you know that's such a beautiful thing because in a sense um you know things are gone but the moments that you've shared with those things and people people can come and go, but those moments and those impressions, they ripple out into the rest of your being for the rest of your life. And your moments that you share with other people do the same. So it's, it's such an interesting space. When you were thinking, when you were talking about riding a bike, I was thinking about my own experience learning. And I actually, I grew up without a father and um, I didn't have that support network. And I, recently I've been exploring what it means like to have that find that within myself and maybe ask for help myself with the people around me and, and build that out i just remember riding my bike and every time i wanted to stop i would have to run into a fence because i couldn't reach the ground so i just remember so many times getting a sore head and in a strange way i feel like um that's what's been happening with a lot of my projects is a sense of um not really knowing what i'm doing and then running into fences and then figuring out a better way eventually and and as that process goes on i'm getting a little bit taller and my feet are beginning to touch the ground so um yeah it's very beautifully um um you you've taken me back to that so i appreciate that and and thank you so much for sharing as well because um that's huge what you've just expressed and it sounds like you are going through quite an evolution at the moment yeah, yeah. well it's something that you just said is very interesting because you're talking about asking for help Mm. and and i can't speak for everybody but i think a lot of people have a hard time asking for help it's easy to help other people i mean i've i've one of my dynamics that i found when i was examining where i had gotten to in my life was that my intention was so much about selflessness and that's not to say that i'm a completely selfless person i'm just as human as anybody and i have my own share of screw-ups but just in terms of being mindful and intentional if i make the decision if i'm if i calculate it i will more often than not choose to put somebody else's interests before my own and and you know that's one of those things where people say you've got to learn to say no and you know put on your oxygen mask before you put on somebody else's um but when you become that person that people rely on, when you become that strength, there's almost like you don't feel you have the luxury of weakness. You don't feel you have the luxury of being human. Well, when I say you, me, I. Uh, and, and so the whole idea of asking for help 
because I'm just so used to being that for other people is a bit alien. And, and also too, is, is, you know, it's easy to say, you know, I want to be an astronaut, help me be an astronaut, but you have to understand, you have to accept that, well, that's not really what I want. So maybe I don't even know the question. Maybe it's help, but I don't know what I need you to help me with. And, and at least for me, what that has looked like is that, that great saying, how do you eat an elephant? Do, do you know the answer to that? Is it one piece at a time? Is that the one? That's right. One, one bite at a time. Hmm. And, and so rather than me looking for the macro answer of where is the map to Shangri-La, I'm, I'm looking at the smaller questions. I'm looking at my health. I'm looking at eating more intentionally and, and healthy. I'm looking at my mental health. I'm looking at my emotional health. I'm looking at the small things. I'm looking at what brings me joy, not, not what do I think brings me joy, but what, because a lot of times the things that we think bring us joy because of like what Erica said about you, the things you want, you want because of the way you think they'll make you feel. And then you get them and you're like, oh, uh, they left the joy out. So it's, it's the things that actually bring you joy. And what are those? So same thing with people. You know, there's a lot of conversations, especially around social media, where some people talk about how awful their experiences is. And I think a lot of that is because of what's represented there. What do you let in? You're the gatekeeper. What, do you choose to have people and, and information that upsets you? And, and I mean, look, it's, it's good to be challenged a little bit. But if you're challenged and aggravated and upset all the time, what's the point? No. Um, again, we, we come back to the whole balance thing, but I don't want to get sidetracked. This is all about asking for help. And I, I think that's one thing that probably every single one of us can be better at. I think most of us are probably a lot better at giving help than asking for help. And to ask for help, which again, I'm not saying I'm good at, I'm learning, I'm in that process but it requires humility because if, if simply by asking for help, you have to implicitly admit that you're not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing to say that, you know, I can't do this on my own. There's a real um, power in this sense of community and coming together, um, you know, a couple of minds are better than one or whatever that phrase is. And this sense of um, joining together with like-minded people, especially in a time of such um, chaos at the moment and intensity, I think there's a strength in coming back and being, you know, with people that can support one another. And I, I find a real sense of peace in that as well, because a lot of the times, especially when it comes to things like um, money and um, security and safety there's this sense of like, um, yeah, not, not, not feeling, not feeling completely there. And I think when you think of, you know, helping others and, um, being kind to others and supporting others and that being a reciprocal process, there's a real strength in that where all that other stuff doesn't matter as much because you've got it already because you've got, um, that shared community. And I think mm -hmm. that's, what's coming up for me. And also, for some strange reason, and I'm not sure how this ties in, but I, I just was thinking about speed, the speed of things and um, kind of sitting in 
the speed of how things are unfolding for you because there's this idea of maybe one of the reasons why you feel like you might need support might be because the speed doesn't feel quite right or how things are unfolding in on some level doesn't feel like it's the way it should be i don't Mm -hmm. know yeah i'm trying to think of how to express that i wouldn't say it's not how i feel it should be it's not how i expected it to be Mm. and i feel like the foundations of a lot of things that i depended on evaporated you know my parents as an example i i'm I'm not so stupid to think that they would have been around forever Mm. but it doesn't matter if somebody you love lives to 99 or passes away at 20 it's too soon you know you're not ready for it Mm. and and it's it's i can't speak for anybody else but for me it's this most incredibly transformational paradigm it's like i'm in a whole new world that i'm learning to live in because they had insinuated themselves i'd never known a day of my life without them you know and and granted i we lived in different states but we would talk every day and and they were a part of my life and they were a part of my awareness and they were a part of my support i mean i could even if i anytime i was upset if i had a problem i could call them and it wasn't our way to discuss the problem i suppose i could have and i probably did but more often than not it was just the check-in it was that connection and hearing them say oh went to the grocery store and did a thing in the garden and and somehow that made me feel better you know that that being able to touch that and reconnect with that that normalcy um so uh it's in, you know it's interesting and you were also you're talking about you know being part of a community and i think that that's that's something too which um i i'm always i've always been intentional about what do i put into this world i my my version of reality i'm sorry my version of morality is that every morning i have to wake up and answer for to myself for what i've done and am i okay with that am i okay with the way i treated people i don't feel like there's any kind of eternal judgment for me but i want to treat people in a way that i feel good about myself that i feel that i've done right by them um and at the same time you have to be open to what you receive from that community. And I think it's a mistake to project expectations on that. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that I'm exercising these days is just listening and paying attention and seeing, well, well what's there? Because I think if you, if you project onto it, you limit it, you exclude things, you, you, you demand, it, it would be like you know, going into a store and telling them what the price is gonna be and what the specifics of the item are rather than seeing what they have to offer. I mean, there might even be something better than what you imagined. And, and I'll give you a, a little bit of a, an example. I was talking to my publicist the other day, who's in Australia, by the way. Um, uh, and uh, for many years, people have said I should do a podcast and um, I don't wanna do an obvious podcast. It doesn't interest me at all to do one of those let's talk about cameras and lights podcasts. Um, and uh, so I really had to think of something that was kind of that I could bring a unique perspective to and something that I don't feel is really present. And I finally conceived of a thing. And those same people also have always said I should monetize that. And um, I'm resistant to monetizing my advice 
because I am very egalitarian and I don't want to create a barrier to access for anybody. I'm resistant to that. I don't think it's, for me, it's fair or reasonable to suggest that these people who have money in their pockets are worthy of what I have to give and these people who don't are not worthy. That doesn't work for me. I couldn't wake up feeling okay with myself. And so I kind of had this very rigid idea of what that looked like is that regardless of my own financial circumstances, I would stick by that. And when I was talking to the, um, the uh, publicist, you know, we kind of went round and round where they're like, oh, well, you could be on this platform or you could be on that platform. And I said, if it's behind a paywall, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to leave people out. And in one of the quieter moments, somebody suggested an option that I, I kind of just pushed past because I was, I was in this mode of frustration. But then, then I circled back and somebody said, well, you know, what if you accepted donations? And I thought, oh, well, okay. I mean, that's voluntary. That's not a prerequisite. And then this, this one person who I had kind of steamrollered said, well, that was kind of what I was trying to tell you. So, so there was a lesson there and that I couldn't hear, you know, I was going into the store telling them the way it was going to be instead of looking at the specials. And um, that's, you know, listening to the community, not projecting on it, not, and, and I, you know, I, I write on people all the time about doing this and here I was doing it myself. Um, I make no pretenses of being perfect. Uh, you know, at least I will always own up to that. And, and so I think that's the thing is, is that, you know, being the person in the world, you know, be, be the solution you want to see, be the person you want to encounter, treat other people's sons and daughters the way you would want your sons and daughters treated and their mothers and fathers and them. And, and then in terms of what you receive, be open because it, it, again, it may not be the thing that's on your shopping list and the thing that's on your shopping list may not be the right thing, you know, to quote the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you'll find you get what you need. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What's this podcast going to be about? Can you tell me a bit more about that? Um, yeah, I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, um, the concept is because I have mentored film students for decades and the same things come up again and again and again. And in that transition between school and work, there are these common things about how do you do a resume in the film industry? Because it's not like other industries. How do you network? Because most people in this life who are not freelance, maybe a handful of times in their life are looking for work and filling out applications but as a freelancer, that's your life. I, I often tell people I'm professionally unemployed because I look for more work more than I actually work. That's what I do. My, if you looked at my day, you'd be like, oh, that guy's professionally unemployed. He's hustling and networking. And, and you know, sometimes what that looks like is just hanging out and spending time with friends. You're putting in FaceTime and it's fun. And so people don't necessarily see that. But, but you know, it's all, it's all got some intention. And uh you know, how, how do you live on a freelance income? What if you make a thousand dollars this month and you don't work for two months? So all of those things are things that they do not teach in film school and by God, they should. And I've, I've told instructors this, I've sat in on 
curriculum advisory boards and time and again said y'all should if you can't do it as a class then invite a guest speaker have a workshop whatever and it's just I, it just falls down the drains so the concept the name i think of the con the, of the podcast is shit they don't teach you in film school but should hmm. that and is definitely were, a unique angle yeah what was that last part you're saying oh and then there'll just be modules like i'll you know i'll do yep. one on networking i'll do and and also like what we just discussed agents unions publicists awards everybody thinks that that is the express way to success and and it's just not and and so i want to examine that i want to talk about it and uh, i haven't got the format quite yet my publicist said she would be happy to come and and speak and i'm sure my agent would as well i don't know if i want to make it that complex there's also something to be said you know, I, I give people this advice all the time. If you conceive of something, don't make it so complicated that it you don't want to do it, that it becomes mm -hmm. a burden. Mm -hmm. And so I have to examine that. I have to consider what that looks like. But, you know, all, all the same, I think this is something valuable. One of the things that's been joyful for me about those Film Courage interviews is that rather than me having a lot of these conversations over and over again, I say, just go watch those. <laughs> and, then, and then let me know which questions you have left. Yeah. So if I, if I, if I do this podcast, I'm done. I don't have to give people advice anymore. It's like, you go there, you go there, you, 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 you know, I'll send you a diploma. Um, the gifts but, of technology. Yeah. But it's, it's true. You find yourself having these conversations over and over again. I mean, one of the things that I always tell people is the, the, the only thing that's consistent in the film business is change. Hmm. And, and it's true. It's, it's, the, the dynamic of the market changes, the technology changes, the styles, the aesthetics. And as soon as you think you got it figured out, you just, you just don't. It's, now it's something else. And, and you have to, you adapt and you, you realize that that's the dynamic. And you can, there's, a, there's a place where you can be comfortable with that, or at least some personality types can be comfortable with that. But you just have to realize it's never gonna stop for you. It's never going to be like, oh, I got it figured out. I'm going to coast a while because that's not how it works. Yeah, it sounds like these lessons in the film industry are directly applicable to what's happening with our lives at the moment. You know, it's never going to be that way where it's like you've made it to this, again, that Shangri-La you mentioned earlier, and now yeah. I'm just going to coast. It's like a continual game. It's, it's a microcosm. You know, exactly. I, go back to, I go back to my friend Erica Wernick, who has this terrific book called Meant for This, mm -hmm. um, How to Achieve Your Most Impossible Dreams. Mm -hmm. And um, when I first read that book, you know, it was very much about, well, how can I level up? What pieces of this can I take to level up? Because, you know, I've known her for a number of years and I've attended her seminars and she's so smart and she's just loaded with good advice and, and, enthusiasm and charisma so there's always some joy there but i've come back to it i've, I've i was reading the, the paperback and now i've been listening to the audiobook and because i'm in a different place it's landing very differently for me mm -hmm. um in the interim i have advised uh, uh, um i have um recommended it to people who weren't in the film business and i said look it's about reaching your dreams and and if they're not in the film business if you want to be an entrepreneur or you want you have some goal i think that there are these tools and roadmaps and because i'm in a different place i'm hearing it i'm hearing a whole different conversation 
So the point that I'm getting at is, is I have experienced exactly what you're talking about, that I think, I think anytime you have a conversation about goals and success and dreams and fulfillment and living your truest, most authentic life, even if that's in a specific paradigm, even if you're talking about being a lawyer or an engineer or a florist, I think the dynamics that govern that process are universal. Yeah, and you you mentioned earlier this like personal evolution or this or a series of them, so it makes sense that as you kind of go through that process, that you know these distinct kind of lessons are going to hit you at different points and going to connect in different ways. And there's something, yeah, I spoke spoke to this point on a recent conversation with um, with a guest, Jiro Taylor, on stories, and we were talking about kind of ancient stories in, in you know traditional people of the lands. Um, they have these stories that pass down from generation to generation for a reason and, and different parts of our, when we're over at different parts of our process, we could hear the same story, but then get completely different lessons for it that are matched to where we're at and what we need to hear and, and what we can actually move on. They're like little signals or little gifts. Have you, have you seen the movie Young Frankenstein? No, I haven't. It's, it's a Mel Brooks movie and mm -hmm. it's a spoof on horror films. Mm -hmm. And um, I first saw that movie when I was a little kid and there's some slapstick, there's goofy faces. It, it, it was a funny movie. It was just a hilarious movie when I was a kid. And then I watched it later as an adult and it is loaded with subtext and innuendo and frankly, dirty jokes. I never hit me. And, and it was like this whole other movie. I was like, I was watching the same thing, but I was having such a different experience. And, you know, I expressed that just to reinforce what you're saying and also to tie it back in to what, what I was telling you that if, if you're open, like if I was expecting the same experience that I remember from being a kid, I would have been disappointed, mm. you know? As because the goofy stuff wasn't as funny. But, you know, to be open to, to a thing, to, I think there's something about, about, you know, being generous with your environment, being generous with your community, being generous with that person sitting across from you that you're not projecting expectations. And I think if you open yourself up to listening and experiencing, rather than managing or manipulating or contriving to an end, I think, I think it could be a very transformational experience. And so that was just kind of my metaphor for that. Yeah, that's exactly, I think that's, I think we've been kind of building through this space together and that's exactly like, that's, that's a point. That's a beautiful, like little, little point of, of like a little gem, I guess. I was thinking about this this morning, this idea of letting go of expectations and kind of this, there's this idea in um, meditation when you're teaching it to students or when you're, when students come to a class of just letting go of expectations of what you, you know, what your ideal scenario would be, what is a satisfactory meditation sitting in a certain posture and being a certain way. And there's this idea of like, um, the connection between meditation and life, which I discussed in a previous podcast right before this one. And it's so, it's so relevant right here as well, because it's like, 
um, exactly what we were talking about. It's like, it's not, diff it's not bad to have those dreams as a child um, wanting to be an astronaut. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that, but it's, it's, it's almost like that expectation brings about a lot of suffering and it also kind of stops us from realizing ways that we can actually bring that, that the essence of that, that dream into being. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think as humans, we have a lot of baggage, you know, we're like that, you know, stereotypical rich person with, you know, this entourage full of carts and bags for the, the holiday weekend. And, you know, we're so busy packing and unpacking and sorting that, that we spend less time experiencing and being open. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, it's, it's just, it's just so important to try and be present for things. And, uh, this is something I'm learning. I'm not speaking from wisdom. I'm not speaking from, you know, practiced experience. I'm speaking from somebody who's on this journey myself. Um, but you know, it's, it's especially imagine a creative, there's that, that whole concept of, of creative block, writer's block, artist block. I, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at a piece of paper and I'm just going insane because I can't fill it up. You know? Yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. And, yeah. and so we, we struggle with that. Mm. We wrestle with that. And um, there are entire books about managing that. I had a lesson when I was in, in art school. I went to the high school for performing and visual arts in Houston. It's one of the best experiences of my life, both because of what I learned and what I learned about myself and the friends I met who are friends to this day and really powerful, meaningful, significant friends. And we had a lesson about artist block and mm -hmm. a teacher, we had a piece of paper in front of us and she said, if you, ever, if you ever have block and you're looking at the paper and you just don't know what to draw, just put a mark on it anywhere. Just put any mark on it. Don't think about it, put a mark. And then just keep going because that's either the right mark or the wrong mark. Mm -hmm. And in seeing that, as that becomes apparent, it's gonna lead you to that voice that you're looking for. And so the thing that I see in that is, is when you're in that new space, if you're meditating and, and you're saying, let it all go and, and just have this, this, this void, that void is scary. If, it, if it's a void, it's, it lacks the unfamiliar. If it's a void, it lacks my baggage. If, it, if it, it's a void, it lacks my teddy bear and my favorite blanket. So it could be a scary space. It could be that blank paper that you've got to fill up. Or it could be that medium that was sitting in front of me when my teacher was talking and it's 100% pure potential. What if I look at it as potential instead of emptiness? It's infinite potential. Its potential is proportional to its emptiness. And so again, that's, that's one of the things that I wanna take on. I, I think our relationship with the world, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with ideas and people is often predicated on the fundamental 
relationship that we create in our minds with it. So if instead of that relationship being fear and absence and emptiness, it's potential, well, what incredibly empowering capital is that? Yeah, this is, this is really exciting me and making my heart smile actually, because there's this, it's kind of what I, I feel like the, the reason I, I started this podcast or at least where the podcast has evolved into would be a better way of putting it. This sense of kind of the, what I'm thinking is, or what I'm feeling into is this sense of what you've just expressed and that, um, that being like what's going on internally, this is only just my language, but what's going on internally being expressed you know, on the outside. So changing your, your perspective or your frame of reference, or at least um, getting still enough to experience the unfolding nature of things rather than projecting as much or um, forcing or things like that. And, and kind of trying to remove layers of that expectation. Cause like you said, there is a lot of baggage behind all of that and that's okay as well. Like everything's okay. And we don't need to put so much pressure on having things yeah. be a certain way. But once we can do that, it seems as though, our whole version of um, reality changes. And I think that actually, especially when you consider the idea of um, bringing in um, different people and communities and multiple people doing that and some kind of an accelerated amplified effect of that, I feel that's actually what changes the story of the world. And you can do that, um, you know, by doing that, you're actually forming what reality is. And I think um, there's a sense of presence in there that I think contributes to the blossoming of that, of that new story of that emerging ever emergent story. So that's what really excites me is, is being able to kind of cultivate the practice of getting into that space. Cause it seems like, you know, we dip in and out of it. We remember, we forget, we, 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 we kind of, at sometimes we're all over the place and other times we're completely with it. And it's a sense of kind of, um, gradually going through the process of all of that running that bike into the wall a couple of times you know learning through the process um speaking to people that are wise as this teacher that you've mentioned or even people like yourself like we're doing now and um gradually getting to the point with different forms of support and um you know this balance between um moving into and allowing um and then you know it just seems like that's that's kind of what it's all about uh, for me anyways yeah. and and yeah why i'm doing all of this to help people on that on that journey and even if if it does help i don't even know if it would but it's mm -hmm. a sense of like at least attempting to participate in that process yeah well you know it's it's interesting there's there's a kind of person that i've met in my life and, and you've met them too and they're the ones who are so busy planning how they're going to do a thing that they never actually get around to doing that thing and and even I see just that hearing, in myself quite often. Yeah. <laughs> well, hearing what you were just talking about, about you know having the uh, intentionality, finding that place in yourself to be open to experience these things, I think. And I say this as somebody who's coming from the same place as you. I think that's kind of probably the wrong relationship. I think mm -hmm. it's really, it's it's like my experience on my bike with my dad. You know, it, it's that I only started doing it when I stopped worrying about doing it. I've, somebody else had my back. He was balancing me. I don't have to think about it anymore. And then all of a sudden I was doing it. 
Mm. And, and I say this as somebody who has spent their whole life wanting to be in control mm. and, and wanting to be able to manifest specific outcomes and being frustrated when I couldn't. And I think really there's something to be said for the idea of just being. And don't try to figure out how to be, don't, don't bring a process to it. You know, exist in that moment, exist in that space, exist in that emptiness and that potential. There's this principle of uh, particles in quantum physics where you can observe the position or you can observe the velocity. But once you've made that observation, you've altered that other characteristic. And, and I think that that applies. I How think does that, that apply? This is twisting my mind a little bit. How does that apply? Because I think, I think when you try to direct an experience, mm. like, like with the, the blank paper in the art class, if I'm trying to force myself to be creative, if, I, if I'm trying, you know, just like if you observe the one characteristic of that particle, you, you've taken an action. So if I'm sitting there in front of that paper and, I, and I'm telling myself I must take an action and, 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 and there's resistance and I'm just pushing in that direction that's opposed to that resistance, I'm just gonna upset myself. But if I just let that go, if I, my intention is to create something, so what if I just let that go? What if I just exist with that potential? What if I recalibrate my relationship that it's potential and I don't have to alter it and I don't have to affect it? Because, because yes, from a literal point of view, you putting your pen on that paper and making a mark, you are affecting it. But I'm saying you do it not in an intentional way. You, you don't put the pen there to draw a circle. You just put it, and where does the hand go? Mm. What does it do? Follow it, discover it, um, experience it. Don't measure it. Don't quantify it. Don't direct it, and and it will tell you a story. And it's I think it's it's true of so many things in life. And I, I imagine that you can share experiences uh, along these lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like the question of how is a bit more irrelevant. It's, it's more of just the, it's just, a, it's just a, an allowing of some sort and a following of another. Yeah. I think it's just to be, I think once you decide that your context is potential, be that a piece of paper, be that meditation, be that life i think once you see it as limitless infinite potential you have a different relationship to it mm. and again i'm not saying this as somebody who's mastered it i'm saying it as somebody who has been brutally evicted from my comfort zone and trying to find meaning and that's what i think i'm seeing yeah there's, there's something about hearing a, a, a deep truth and, and just feeling, feeling, feeling that. And I'm feeling that right now. So yeah, I think there's definitely something there. Yeah. To take note of, um, there's this idea of 
you, I've heard you mention this before, making a contract with yourself. And, you know, I think it was in the context of you saying that you're an artist and then in a sense, allowing that to be some kind of a guiding star. Yeah. Have you, would you be able to talk a little bit about that process or that experience or, or like how that even came into being? And, and I'm sure it's a nice way to loop back into the initial, you know, why we have these dreams and ambitions is because we want to feel something. Um, But I thought, yeah, it might be a nice way to kind of, you know, circle back. Well, I I think there are two aspects to it. One aspect is this. Um, You were talking earlier about the things you want in life, and maybe you had a little bit of a habit of just kind of letting, letting it happen around you. I'm a big believer in declaring what you want in life and saying, I, I want to be a cinematographer. I want to be, you know, uh, a world leader. I want to be somebody who inspires and helps people, whatever that is for you. I think that it's important. You can't, you can't just go around a question mark because when, when people hear those things, they, if they're the right people, they, they see you as that potential and they, holds you accountable to live up to mm. it. Um, so, so I think there's something, you know, to be said, to be said for that. Um, all my life, I've seen people who say they want a thing, but then I look at their day-to-day lives and they don't live like the person who wants that thing they say they want. You know, they say, I want to buy a new car. And then every payday they go and they party with their friends and they have no money left. I'm not judging them. You can do that. But to me, that doesn't look like the person who's committed to getting that new car. And if that's what you want to do, if you want to party, then maybe you need a second job. I don't know. But for me, I need, and I look at my life, I need to see alignment generally between the things I say I want and the things that I do. And, and if I don't see alignment, then I have to ask myself, do I really want those things? And then if I do, then, then what am I going to do? What am I going to give up? And that's what I mean. That's part of what I mean by the contract is if I make that contract and I say, I'm going to buy that new car. Well, that contract has, you know, it has, it has expectations built into it that, well, in order for you to have that car, you have to do these things and you have to sacrifice those things. And you have this period of time and you, you know, you have to, uh, behave in certain ways Uh, otherwise you are in breach of the contract and um the other the other part of it and and i guess this is really just more of the same thing i believe when i originally said that it was in 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 an interview um where i was talking about my shyness and how overwhelming it could be and i was examining how it was harming at this point how it was harming my my momentum and my ability to get results i very specifically remember you know, I would, I had a list like you had where I had like, oh, in, in 10 years, five years, one year, this is what I want. And I kind of broke that down like the elephant into the constituent parts. And I mapped out monthly, weekly, daily goals. So like every day I was doing the thing. I check off the box. I look like the guy who actually wants what he says he wants. Mm-hmm. But I realized after a fact, like I'd be, my goals were really shitty. Like I'll make so many calls. You call people, you send out resumes, you might as well flush those down the toilet. 
It's, those aren't meaningful connections. I know this now, but then I thought, hey, I did a thing. I did something that was uncomfortable. How did you figure that out? And like, yeah, how, how do you know when that's the case? Well, part of it, part of it was the lack of results. Yeah. Part of it was seeing other people who were getting results and watching what they were doing differently. Yeah. And part of it was it just, I don't know, it just kind of sank in at a certain point that just because you call some person and wind up on their, oh, so-and-so called list, or you sent a resume for them to paper the bottom of their birdcage with, you know, it's not doing anything. And I realized that it was the gregarious people. It was the people who built the relationships, you know, and I've said this many times, this is a business of relationships. It's all about your friends. You want to hire your friends and the people you like, and you don't get to know people and like people just because a resume slides across your desk or you get a note that they called you 10 times. So when I had that realization, I thought, oh my God, this is because I'm shy. This is because I'm scared to have a face-to-face. -face. This is because I'm scared. I mean, I'm calling them, but I'm secretly hoping they won't come to the phone. And then I get my check, but they don't have to actually talk to them. Mm. And it was like, okay, well, that's just really crap. And um, so it was hard. Of course it was hard. You know, things in life, John Kennedy said, you know, we go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hard and, and all great things. You know, you have to be in a place of discomfort to grow. You have to push yourself beyond the familiar and beyond the comfortable to be in a place that's got the potential. But maybe it's that white piece of paper. Maybe it's that meditation. But if you're in a space of potential, there's growth. If you're in a space that's filled with your baggage and your luggage and everything you know, not so much. You know, you're not you're not really called to be anybody different, and you're not in an environment prom, primed to catalyze that. And um, so, you know, part of the contract is that is that is that I wanted to be a filmmaker more than I wanted to be shy. I was I committed to being a filmmaker. Yes, was I committed to being shy? Hell no. I mean, it, it didn't give me any pleasure. It still doesn't. And I'm not saying it's gone away. I still deal with it. But, you know, we all have the crosses we bear, some visible, some not visible. And no matter what your cross is, if you are able to find a way to work in spite of it or to make it work for you, or like we were talking about earlier, ask for help. You're not an island. Ask, ask somebody for help. Um, and I think people want to help. I mean, people care. I believe that they care and they want for you what you want for yourself. Um, and so uh, the point being, that's, that's what the contract with myself is. Um, uh, there, was, there was another point at which I, I had a house and I had some life changes where the economy took a downturn and my clients transitioned and I was in the middle of, of a, a a bad breakup with a, a partner and so my finances were in drastic change and that house came into jeopardy where i had to say well am i gonna am i gonna sell this house am i gonna keep this house if i keep this house and i keep doing what i'm doing i probably can't afford it am i willing to do something else am i willing to say oh well i'll i'll be you know an engineer or whatever it wouldn't have been that but you know will i do something more lucrative and i 
I had to be honest with myself and have one of those come to Jesus conversations where I'm like, okay, no cards are off the table. What does this look like? And I realized I had the epiphany that I, I was going to be an artist. I couldn't be anything else. If I chose a more lucrative career path and I had that house, I would come to resent that house for everything it took away from me. I would, I would be so angry and, and never enjoy it. And I realized that no matter what, no matter how difficult the road of being creative was, I, that's what I had to do. I mean, and that's the creativity pervades my life. All the little side projects I've talked to you about tonight are all different creative manifestations. That's, that's where I'm comfortable. I'm not very comfortable around people I don't know. And I'm not comfortable at all dealing with money. There's a lot of things that I don't think I'm good at. And I'm, but creativity is, is like my comfort zone. It's the space where I, it's not forced and it's natural. So it, it was reasonable for me to make those contracts. It was reasonable for me to declare that that was the thing that I was. And of course, at the time it came with a bunch of it, my expectations of what that looked like. And life, as it has a way of doing, beat the living shit out of me and, 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 and corrected me. And so now I'm listening. I'm just paying attention. I'm like, okay, well, none of these things turned out in the way that I thought they would. I'm not saying they're not good. I've got a lot of really great things, like a lot of wonderful projects and friends, and you know, but still a lot of unfulfilled hopes and expectations. So, so all of that journey, my, my contract is still intact. But like I said to you earlier, what I've had to learn is that it's not always about taking hold of the wheel and forcing it. You know, maybe, maybe what my contract stipulates at this moment is to sit down and shut up. Just like if your lawyer tells you in court, you know, don't tell them everything, just sit down and shut up and and let, you know, let, let the natural course of events unfold. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for being so open and sharing so much in that, in that space. I think I've just really needed to hear a lot of that. So I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, I know I'm just conscious of time here and I, and I kind of want to be a little bit selfish and ask you one personal question um, sure. before we kind of, yeah, move on to kind of closing things off. But I was, I was wondering, if you could talk a little bit more about this idea of having all these creative endeavors and projects and, and, you know, things going on in your mind that really light you up inside, um, you know, in different spaces and then transitioning the transitioning between those, like, when do you bring them in? When is the right time? And, and, and that process, I feel like that's because it seems like you've only got so many, um, little um pieces of or whatever you want to call it little bits of um energy and and focus and and motivation and it's and time you know so it's like this sense of you know and and things deserve uh focus energy and time if they're going to be anything or if they're going to you know interact with you and you're going to have that relationship with them these projects creative endeavors yeah. So how do you transition between them? How do you know when the right time is for one? And, and, and like, cause it is quite sad. Like you just pointed to something that I felt quite deeply. And it's a sense of like, you know, I've got, 
I've got this beautiful idea and it's just like sitting there on the, on the shelf and maybe it's a more of a long-term thing, but it's like, and I've got multiple ones of those and it's kind of sad to see them wither away sometimes. Um, even though you know what you're currently working on is, is meaningful and significant. Yeah. Well, I wish I had, I wish I had the universal rule. Book, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, there's no I, rule. I can, I can only tell you about my relationship to it. Um, a lot of people want to put, put things in a box and they want to put labels on them and they want to say, Brad, you're a, you're a filmmaker and these other things are hobbies. And if that works for their experience to put those labels on it, okay. I'm not taking that on because that's not how I experience it. To me, they're all manifestations of the same energy. It's like putting on different clothes every day. Mm, one day, mm. maybe I'm writing and one day, maybe I'm filming and one day, maybe I'm playing music or doing photographs or art. And it's all coming from the same place. And my relationship with it is very similar. Um, you know, I had an experience during the pandemic where I, you know, we're all sitting at home, what the hell are we gonna do? And I pulled these boxes out of storage and they had a bunch of multi-track tapes of recordings of music that I had made. And I just said, well, I'm gonna digitize it. That's one of my busy jobs that I never get around to. So let's, let's digitize them. And I was surprised at how good they were and how much I liked the music. And I had forgotten, I had assumed I had written maybe 10 songs. There's like 60. Um, and, and of those 60, 30 or 40 actually had recordings begun. And uh, so then I sort of slowly evolved into thinking, well, maybe I should do something with them. And, and this was that whole process of, of when I was in college and, and in high school, I was a fine art major. I wasn't a film major. And it switched over to a film major. But also all those years of high school and college, I played music and I wrote music and I recorded music. And all of this, you know, was, was my life. And when I became serious about film, I was like, okay, got to focus. And I just kind of set those things aside, thinking that I'd be picking them up again soon. And every once in a while, I would return to music and I'd write a song here, I'd write a song there. But I would have these friends who would go and play gigs or record songs. And I was so happy for them. And I was thinking, man, I wish that I had what they had. Wish I could do that. I wish I had that balance. And um, because of the things that happened, I was, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put on my oxygen mask and I am gonna do, I'm gonna do things that to me look very selfish. That's putting myself first. Sorry, I'm I'm going to do stuff that makes me happy. I'm going to stop worrying first about everybody else. I'm not saying I'm changing my lifestyle, but I'm in a space where I was so unhappy and I was so much in free fall that I mm. thought I have to create happiness or I'm in trouble. Mm. And so what that looked like was this very selfish, I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. You know, not in a way that I mean to people, but in a way that I kind of pulled in and, and was like, this is what I'm doing now. And this is what I'm focusing on. And this is where I'm spending my money. And I don't need approval. In fact, I decided that my, my sole expectation, I didn't have any commercial expectations and I don't care if anybody else likes it, I care that it makes me happy. And I've been 100% successful at that goal. So 
that's what it looked like for me was was doing that and 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 in the, in in all that time i've i've still been doing movies um the other thing that happened during the pandemic is like you i had these things on the shelf i had two screenplay ideas now i'm not a screenwriter but i had these two screenplay ideas that i just fell in love with one was a real person who i just was a sidebar i found in a magazine and the other was the science fiction idea that was timely 20 years ago and is still timely. And I said to myself, like what you're saying, are these just going to die when I die? You know, I had this very strong sense of mortality because of my debilitating depression and the loss of my parents, where I'm thinking, I just want to be where they are, you know, screw everything. Uh, and so I'm like, you know, if I end, this stuff will be dust. And I had one of those commitments with myself where I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And so what it looked like with the music was, was that intentionality and that structure of let's get it done. It, because there were so many songs, I mean, I, I can play a lot of instruments, but I was like, if I try and play everything, it'll take years. So, you know, I reached out to friends and some friends had time and other friends didn't have time. So I found this great website called Fiverr where you can get these amazing, talented people. I have people all over the world who've contributed. Um, this is the project I alluded to you about where I said I invited some dream collaborators who surprisingly said yes. Um, and then with the scripts, I'm not a writer and, and, I, and I was stuck. I was stuck in both of them, like how to proceed. So I, I delegated. So that's my answer to you is find people who are as passionate for one reason or another as you and get them on board. And it may not be the people you think or that you hope and you can't make them wrong for that. Um, you know, a lot of the people who I thought of for some of these projects just weren't the right people. And then these other people who are new to my life just showed up with this luminous enthusiasm you know, in fact, even some of these high value music collaborators who are people that, you know, are legends to me, I'm humbled by their enthusiasm. Um, and, and yet then there are some of these mid-level people who are just very cranky and entitled and weird. So it's just been a strange, strange experience. And, and it's kind of been one of the things that's pushing me to not direct and manipulate, but just to lean into the way that the river is flowing. And the other thing that I would tell you is that, that fortunately I love all of these things because I have what would look to most people like no personal life. I don't watch television. I don't go out much. I, I work on these projects. I do Zooms, I do calls, I work on the recordings and I'm learning things too. This is, I was thinking about this just today because some of this stuff has been a lot more expensive than I had hoped. And I'm kind of bummed about that. But then I think, you know, if you actually went to school to learn to do some of this shit, because, you know, even though I know the instruments and I know I have my sense of music, you know, I'm learning Pro Tools and I'm learning all of these plugins and all mm. of this crazy tech crap. And I have the benefit of sitting down by professionals and I can ask them questions and they're teaching me things. Same with the scripts. You know, I'm talking to my collaborators and I'm having relationships with producer friends and, and industry friends that we've known each other for years, but not like this. This hasn't been the dynamic. 
So all of this has been part of me becoming a new person and a different person. And, and come 2022, I'm going to be different. And I will still be a cinematographer. I still love film. I've got two movies coming out. I'm going to always keep doing it. But the dynamics are different. And, and I am spending a lot less time pushing that boulder up the hill so I can do these other things that I love. And also, like I said, you know, I, I have sacrificed things that others do, um, you know, and I'm, I'm also a little bit of a workaholic. I work all kinds of crazy hours and, and just don't let go. But in terms of, in terms of being an intent, intentional and balanced, I'm also like, okay, well, you got to eat regularly. You got to eat good food. That's part of the deal too, because my mode when I do things like this is to forget eating until two o'clock in the morning. And then you order in some, you know, crap from Denny's or whatever. So I don't know yeah. if that's the answer you want, but that's, that's kind of, yeah. if I took no this and handed it to you, pardon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no expectations. And I, I love that answer. Yeah. So it seems, yeah, it seems like there's quite a few things going on. And I was wondering, yeah, I totally get, I, I resonate with a lot of what you've just shared and I guess we could keep talking for hours, but I feel like um, it might be nice to share, you know, show people a little bit about like what you, what you're up to and, and what you've got in the, in the pipe works and what's upcoming. So is there anything, um, any, if someone wanted to find out more about yourself, where would you send them? Is there anything you'd like them to kind of see or read or, or what's kind of on upcoming at the moment? I know you've just had that recent release on Netflix. Is that right? So, well, well, they had, they had the, the California Christmas was last December. Yep, yep. The sequel California Christmas Two city lights comes out December 16th. Okay. Mark your calendars, mark your mm -hmm. calendars. Mm -hmm. um, and then in March, I've got a movie that I shot also a Netflix original called that some more. Okay. And, uh, Cool. And uh, and then and we've also got a um, uh, a music video that we shot for an artist on The Voice, and uh, I just saw a rough cut of that today. I'm really really excited. And uh, you know, if people want to know what's going on with me, the two things that I would suggest: everybody loves Instagram, so follow Instagram. Uh, I mostly keep that professional. Um, but if you really want to get to know me and interact with me, then jump on Facebook. I'm a little more kind of myself there. And I, I do sh also share the professional stuff. Um, you know, so, some people have, like I said, bad experiences with it, but I find that if you regard it as a garden and you pull the weeds in terms of the aggravating people and influences that you can turn it into a very, very nice place. And uh, that's what I've created. I, I literally scroll down and I'm thinking, does this person consistently make me happy? Do they bring value? And that value can be challenging me it can be stimulating me, but it has to be value. It can't be that just pissing me off and making me hate the world. Um, but anyway, so, so those are the two I'm most active on. I little, little active on, on LinkedIn. Um, but, uh, that would be, that would be where to check in. And then, like I said, I have a publicist, so we'll be doing like, I've got six more interviews, uh, coming up. I've got a, a an article that I'm supposed to do for stage 32. Um, uh, the podcast is 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 in the formative stages. Uh, the podcast, the music, all of that stuff is not going to happen until 2022. I just um, it's 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 happening. It's being built right now. But I'm not going to push myself to 
to to cut that loose until you got to get through California Christmas because that's going to be it's a lot of work all the publicity one bite at a time huh yeah exactly exactly you know plus I don't want to burn people out I don't want people to get sick of me I don't want to be you know just dump it all and and there you go because because you know that won't work either Mm -hmm. and you mentioned earlier that you meant or you have mentored in the past film students is that right for years, for years. I mean, I actively mentor, and not just students, young filmmakers, hmm. older filmmakers who are new filmmakers. I mean, anybody who wants advice, really. I mean, I, I, I try to give it, I try to be open, um, you know, because there are these videos, it's very advantageous. I, I mean, one of the things is that I really wanna see that people have skin in the game. One thing that I learned early on was I would just invest myself and I'd spent all this time talking to people who are just like, yeah, never mind. And mm. it just drove me ape shit. And mm. one of the things that I did way back then is there was a book, there was a particular book, and I would say, read this book. And after you've read this book, come talk to me. So that served two purposes. One, it knocked a lot of the fundamentals out of the way. And two, it showed me that they were committed, and they would take actions. What book was this? Well, it was called How to Make It in Hollywood. But it's, it's, it was published in the 90s and I, it's not been updated and it's pretty, pretty ancient. Um, honestly, I would say Erica's book um, meant for this is, is what I would send to people now because, and the other thing is that, that how to make it in Hollywood was very dry and very old school, you know, dusty cigarette smoke in, you know, infused wood paneled room kind of feel. And Erica's is sunshine and light and radiance and, fun and joy so you know read erica's book that's the one to do meant for this um but the other thing that i do is i have them watch these podcasts and and maybe some of the other interviews and i also have this really long list of um of uh links and resources that i've collected over the years and it's broken down you know stuff for directors stuff for dp stuff for editors yada yada and i just send them all at them say look through this shit, and, it, and then if you have questions and, and if they come back to me asking really simple stuff that makes me realize they didn't even try, I am, you know, they get a proportional result, you know, response from me in terms of their own effort. Um, but the people who really throw themselves into it, I mean, look, I've, I've had some mentees who just blew me away and I would go to bat for them. I would recommend them for jobs. I would hire them. Um, not a lot of people, but certainly there are some stars. And um, in fact, one of one of them that I'm super proud of, um, a script supervisor named Katja Loban, uh, is is working on the Jack Jack Ryan TV series in Europe. She's just finished uh, season three, and they invited her back for season four. And I couldn't be more proud of her. Such a, a humble, hardworking, just incredible person, and so proud of her and and all of her hard work and and dedication. It's so funny. She she confided in me the other day. She says. You know, I always worked so hard because I didn't want to let you down, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I mean, if that's, if that's the catalyst that, that you need, but it's also about not letting yourself down. I mean, I can give you the resources. I can point you in the direction. I can give you the information. I can open the doors. I can't walk through them for you. I can't make a good impression for you. I can't show up for you. I can't follow through for you. If I make no, no one can really. Can they, if, if, I, can if, they? if I make an introduction and you let it die, mm. you know, so mm. it's, 
so yeah, I mean, I've learned all of these things and that's what I mean by skin in the game. It really, at every, at every interval, I wanna see that these people are invested. I wanna see that they're putting in as much effort or more than I am because, because if nobody's in the driver's seat, I'm just wasting my time. And I've got too many people you know, that would like me to help. And I just, I just can't, I can't spend the time for the people who aren't gonna run with it. Mm, mm. Again, it, it comes down to what I, what I was saying earlier about do you does your life look like the person who says you want the thing you say you want and i don't judge those people maybe they really don't want it maybe the reality is not what they expected that's okay i mean i'm not mad at them but you know my expectation no matter what you say you want whether it's a haircut or a beer or to be an astronaut when i look at your day and i look at your week i expect to see some indication of follow through in, in moving in that direction. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's what came up for me, that theme of what you just kind of articulated there. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you can do to improve that, like even tracking what you're actually doing and reflecting on that. And again, reflecting on your motivations and, and what's really going on there. Um, well, so it's like what, it's like what I said when I was being ineffective and it, you know, you have the list every day and you check it. Did you do the thing? Did you do the thing? Did you do the thing? And, and I had to evaluate and say, yeah, I did the things. They weren't the right things. They weren't good things. Now I have to, now I have to reinvent and I have to go to another place, you know, but Hey, even that, even that, that wrong road was part of my journey. I mean, I had to go down that wrong road to learn a thing about myself that needed dealing with. Yeah. There's so a kindness not, of self yeah. that comes up for me in that space, like being kind to yourself and understanding that you don't have to beat yourself up about it. Um, yeah. It's like, we're, we're here right now. We're not in the past. We're not in the future. Let's yeah. just be here. Yeah. But, it, but it's having that roadmap. It's having, you know, it's having, it's having those things you can be accountable for. Mm. And, I, and I think also another thing I would recommend to you is having, having a buddy or mm. buddies, Mm. having a group who all is up to something and it doesn't have to be the same thing it could be your friend who wants to start a pizza place and it could be your friend who you know wants that relationship with that person that they've been crushing on and then you all just sit there and you and you and you and you support one another and yeah. you hold each other accountable like a have, men's or a women's group of some sort or some well, kind of a support have, network it doesn't even have to be broken down by gender it's a people's group it's a dreamers group it's a what's your dream here's my dream it's just some kind of a and, support network yeah. yeah but but it's somebody who that you know when you go in there is going to ask what did you do this week and it's not to make you feel bad or guilty and if you if you didn't do the thing they'll be like okay moving forward how do we empower you not you know mm. beat you up and tell you you're a piece of shit um, and, and also when you come up against something and you're, and you say to me, I've got these, these ideas, they're on the shelf. I don't know how to move forward and they're pitching ideas. And maybe nine of those nine out of 10 of those ideas are not quite right, but that leaves one that could be right, or it could be close, or it could be like that line on the paper in my art class that takes you to where you need to be. Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom. I feel like in this, you know, hour and a half or so, there's just been like bucket loads. <laughs> and I feel like it's almost like that list of links that you've provided and anyone listening out there that's found some, um, some help within those uh, practical steps or within those kind of 
lessons from your experience i guess it's yeah and it's all about just kind of absorbing those and moving into them um, well, one thing one thing i would like to say just really quick yeah, is go that, for it you know a lot of people compliment me or or say how meaningful the vulnerability is and i want to say that that's a deliberate choice you know there's a lot of people who kind of build themselves up heroically and and you know they want to look larger than life and the mistake I feel with that is that other people see that and it's inaccessible because they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not that perfect. I'm not that, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not that rich. I'm not that whatever. And I don't want people to listen to what I say or, or see what I do and say, oh, I could never have those things. You could have more, you could have everything you want. You know, you, and and it's and 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 again, that's why that I think that that film courage interview about you know doing the steps, even when you don't believe in yourself, is so powerful because because people realize you don't have to be fixed, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to wait and get the shit corrected before you move forward. You can move forward now. So in all of these things, I endeavor to take a knife and and slit my chest open and expose my bloody and imperfect interior because I don't care about making myself look good. That's not important to me. What is important to me is if I'm able to empower other people, you know, and, and if, if I can do that, if I can help them have the things that they want and the things that they dream about, and especially if those things involve making the world a better place for people and animals, then, yeah. then I, I want to give that and it's a worthy sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I was thinking about this recently. I've, I've started doing some mentoring myself and some kind of just supportive work for people. And I didn't really know how to pitch that. And I guess I didn't want to put that across as me being some kind of an expert on anything. Cause it's just not true. It's like, we're all going through this process and opening up and sharing those vulnerabilities really is a lot of the time more more beneficial to people that hear it because that like you said earlier like the story hits people at different um, parts of their own process different stages of their own internal evolution and i feel like this kind of role of just being someone that's there as support is better than building yourself up in any way um yeah for the people that you're trying to help and just this sense of like thinking that you know best or thinking that you know yeah like it's almost like an illusion that you're that you're telling yourself at times if you don't go down that path of vulnerability and openness well every every single one of us is an expert on at least one thing Mm. that one thing is our personal experience yes we we have a unique mastery of that in all its glory and all its embarrassment Mm. (laughs) and i think i think if we are authentic and real yeah and when we say we don't know, or we say it may not apply to you, yeah, you know, just like my story about the bicycle, it wasn't it wasn't your experience, mm. but it it was a catalyst to tap into something for you. Mm. So, so I think that's the best that any of us can do is have the intention of generosity and kindness, and and be vulnerable and real and honest and. And that's, that's what you have to bring. And, and you are the expert in bringing those things. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to put that full stop in, Brad. What do you reckon? 
All right. Well, thank you, sir. I, I appreciate your, your time and I appreciate your interest. And um, I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. This has been great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to maybe touch base with you in six months to a year from now, if you'd be open sure, to let's that. Do that. Let's, let's do um, that. In fact, uh, yeah, yeah, that will be the aftermath of the second movie. And uh, some of these other things will probably be in full motion by that time. So it would be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again for being so open and vulnerable. It has been a pleasure. And um, yeah, I just feel invigorated. And it's one of those feelings we spoke about earlier when you know that what you're doing is kind of, you're in the right space in the right time because this feels really good. So um, you've got my appreciation um, and my lot sending you my love. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day or your night. And yeah, best of luck with everything. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing your presence with me and for coming on this journey. If you're interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me, head over to todaydreamer.com, see what I may have on offer. And if you're interested at all in checking out some of the other videos, head over to youtube.com forward slash todaydreamer where there'll be more content uh, around cultivating the practice of presence in order to more fully contribute or participate in the blossoming of the emergent world story together. Catch you in the next episode and be well.